Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. In today's episode, we are going to be sharing with you all our personal journeys with teacher burnouts. It's going to be a super chatty episode. So Bridget, I'm going to start us off with the chattiness before we even go into the time-sucking hurdle. Great. That's great. (laughs) I had two thoughts. Thought number one, do you think people would notice during our intro if I said, like, we are your hosts, Bridget Spackman, and then you said, and Michelle Emerson, do you think they would notice? (laughs) Yeah, they would. They would have to notice. Like, our voices, we're very different. I mean, now we've spoiled our plan, so I don't think we can I know. do it anyway. But yeah. uh, second thing, I am officially embracing fall. I am drinking my first coffee with pumpkin spice cream. Ooh, that sounds amazing. You know what? I started drinking almond creamer. It's actually really good. Yeah. So I have tried hundreds, most likely, of creamers over the years. And there's always ones where I'm like, yeah, that's not bad. But I keep going back to my classics. I know. So. I know. I, I'm trying to get away from that because I feel like, you know, the sugar and all the things is probably not the best of the best. But also with like Hashimoto's, they were saying not only gluten, but you might want to like reduce the amount of dairy you intake. So yeah. I didn't want to stick yeah. with my normal like super fatty creamer. And then I went to more of a natural like creamer, but it's still true like cream. So then I started looking into almond creamer and it's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. For me, it's like my coffee is my one indulgence during the day. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't mind being bad because the rest of my day is going to be much better. (laughs) Yeah. No, I indulge all day, every day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. Let's jump into our TSH, which is from Mary Ellen. So Mary Ellen's time-sucking hurdle is organizing my teacher closet. Mm. Every time I get things packed away and organized, I need to get something out, mainly posters, and it creates a mess all over again. Bridget, thoughts? Yeah. So Mary Ellen, I feel like my first thought after hearing this is that you may not be as organized as you think think you are. Um, In my opinion, I feel like true organization is not something that can be undone with just like the removal of posters. I think if you truly are organized, that's going to be something that you can get to fairly quickly, easily, without completely ruining your entire system. So you might need to end up reworking some of your space. And I think you just hit it, Bridget, when you mentioned system, because that's what organization is. It's a system. And so it's not like you press a magic button and, oh, things are organized and that's it. It's a system that has to be reworked until you find Mm -hmm. what works for you. So my answer to you, Mary Ellen, would be, or rather my question, (laughs) is there somewhere else you could store items that you're using frequently in order to make it easier for you to access and then just use the closet to store things that are like kind of overflow or things that don't get used very often. So for example, I always had paper available for my students. So like white paper, lined paper, sometimes graph paper. I actually had them in a drawer unit on my counter so students could easily go in and get it. But I stored all of my extra paper in my closet. So only about once a month would I have to go in, take out those containers of paper, and then refill that drawer unit. So consider finding a different place to store items that you're using more quickly. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great idea. So ready to jump on in? Let's dive. We're going into it, guys. So 
I feel as though when we first started talking about teacher burnout, Michelle and I were just talking and we realized that we have both experienced teacher burnout at some point in our career. So to most of us who really just see us online, you may not really have known this, but we feel like it's really important to share our stories about our own personal burnout um, and how it has affected us and when it was affecting us and what were some of those, those issues that we were seeing around it. And I think we know that if it's affected us, it's most likely affected you too, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to share some statistics because I think this will help everyone feel a little more validated. And I'm going to blame that on social media. I think it has been painted where, oh, well, if you feel burnt out, then you are just doing something wrong or there's something Mm. wrong with you. And I don't think Mm -hmm. teachers realize how extremely, you know, common this is. Yeah. So fact number one. Now, I don't remember the exact website where I pulled these, so I'm sorry. I should have probably done that. But 41.3% of new teachers leave the profession within the first five years. I don't know about you, Bridget, but this is a stat I would hear in college. Like not that exact number, but it was always like so many teachers leave within the first five years. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I also feel like I've heard these types of statistics right in my very first year of teaching. You know, when you have like that new teacher orientation and they're trying to tell you like the curve, like, oh, your low point is like in December, then you start to kind of feel Mm -hmm. better and you start to go up. You remember those curves that they would show you? I do. This is kind of where I feel like I'm I'm also hearing some of those statistics. And it's sad. 41.3. That's wild. Yep. Next statistic. 66% of teachers want to leave their job, while 36.4% are likely to quit. So there's kind of two tiers there. It's like the teachers who just say, yep, I want to leave my job. And then the teachers who are actually like on the verge of quitting. Yeah. And the fact that it's basically half of the teachers who would say they want to leave are like actually on the verge of quitting. I mean, like what are colleges doing? Why are they not preparing teachers enough for this? I mean, we really need to be rethinking the entire teacher education program to make sure that teachers are very well aware of what they are getting themselves into when they walk into that classroom. Yeah. I And I think the problem is tenfold, right? There's so many components that go into it. And that's going to be some of the stuff we're going to talk about. Yes, absolutely. Last statistic. (laughs) 15% of teachers in the U.S. leave the profession every year. So 15% of all the teachers leave the profession every year. And that stat, I actually wrote it down. I don't know why I didn't write it down for the other ones, but that is from Alliance for Excellent Education. Hmm. I mean, so hearing all of these different statistics, I mean, the thing that we really want to think about is just the why. What in the world is happening to make these statistics true? Why is this happening to all of the teachers out there? And I think this episode is really going to help us to really dissect and understand that why. So we wanted to be able to share our own journeys and what made us feel this way when it comes to teacher burnout. Yeah. And then over the next month, we are going to deep dive into what we think really causes burnout and then how to prevent this from happening. So Bridget, I'm going to have you share first. And also just keep in mind, y'all, Bridget's not feeling her best. I'm not. (laughs) You might hear some nasaliness and whatnot (laughs) over the next few episodes because we do batch our content. So yeah, when it comes to 
to burnout and we are batching our burnout. We're also getting, I was trying to think of a B that was related to not feeling well, but I couldn't do it. So anyway, boogery Bridget. Bridget. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yes. <laughs> boogery Bridget. There we go. Coming sorry. Through with I'm the sorry, guys. That was really too much of a visual for all of you listening out there. <laughs> Um, okay. Glorious. So I got to be honest. I, I think it was uh, about a month or two ago, Michelle. I think when I went on to Instagram and I said, "Hey, ask me some questions." I have never done that, and it was like a random <laughs> day that I was like, "Just ask some questions." Somebody out there asked the question of, "Have you ever experienced burnout?" And I had to kind of sit on that question for a little bit and really think about all of my years of teaching. So this is my 10th year of teaching. And I had to like sit there and think because here's the thing. I think every year it's going to come with its challenges, right? Like we're going to have the very first year that we start teaching. It's challenging because you're exhausted. You're working a lot of hours. But I think that there's that feeling of excitement that's in it that kind of Mm -hmm. pushes you and gets you moving and gets you wanting to continue doing what you're doing. And then there are other years where it's just a little bit different. And depending on the circumstances and all the other things, it just changes everything. But for me... I have to say it was my seventh year of teaching. Um, And so this morning I sat down with my phone and I was like, I need to kind of think about like what were all of the elements that seventh year of teaching that caused my teacher burnout. So my seventh year of teaching, I was in Pennsylvania. So previously I taught four years in kindergarten, had moved to Pennsylvania. And my second year here, Myself and two other teachers started the MAC team. So MAC stands for multi-age classroom. We have a mixture of fourth, fifth, and sixth grade learners, and we are a team of three teachers, right, that work together. So we started this, you know, MAC team. And on my seventh year, it was my second year on the MAC team. Does that make sense? Um, We had a brand new teacher on our team because the one that we had started it with because again, there were three of us. But one of the teachers that we had started it with, she decided to find a job closer to her family. She had just bought a new house. She had like three young little boys. Like, oh my gosh, they were the cutest things ever. And I get it. Like you need to make choices that are best for your family. And so she left to go to a different job that was closer to her home where she had just bought it. And so we had a new team teacher on board. And I remember specifically feeling like I wasn't doing enough. I felt as though the lessons that I was planning were not engaging enough, that I wasn't spending enough time, you know, making these creative out of the box, you know, project-based learning type of experiences for my kids. So there was a lot of that feeling that I just wasn't personally going the extra mile that I needed to go. And I remember having conversations with my partners and saying that we needed to be more outside of the box that, you know, when we first created this Mac team, we promised things to these parents and that we needed to fulfill these promises. We said that there wouldn't be a teacher who was specifically known as the fourth grade teacher or the fifth grade teacher or the sixth. We said we were all going to have hands with their with all these kids. We said that we were going to give them PBLs. We said that they were going to have more hands-on experiences, that they were going to get the opportunity to code and to do all of these great things. 
but we made these promises to these families when they signed up for for our program, essentially, because it is like they have to sign up to get their kids to be accepted into it, right? So I remember telling them this at one point, like I think it was around October, November, where it was like, I just like nothing was enough to me. Like I felt like I needed to do more. And I remember really thinking about um, that what I was doing at home was not enough, that what I was doing on the lettered classroom was not enough. Like I remember, you know, my my channel has shifted a lot over the years and I love doing what I do on there because I know a lot of people are probably going to say, well, then you should just quit social media. No. Okay. That was a part of my life. I enjoyed it. It brought me joy. But at that specific moment, I didn't feel as though I should should just quit something that I had put so much time and energy into and something that brought me joy just because at that moment it was hard. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So -hmm. things were shifting for me because I was doing multi-age and people were not quite understanding what that was since it was such a new thing. So there was a lot of feeling of not worthy. Does that make sense? Or like inadequacy. Yeah. Like it just like everything that I was doing was just not the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so over Christmas, I was frustrated with my partner teachers because I think at that time they were like, well, we just need to do what's a little bit easier for us. And I didn't like that answer. I didn't like that answer at all. I was like, we're, we're, we're not, we're going back on our word. We are not doing the things that I feel like we should be doing. We're not pushing the, um, the envelope essentially. You know what I mean? And I was frustrated with with them. I was just frustrated because I wanted to do more. And when, so for some of you out there listening, when you're in a Mac team, we, we do everything together. We make decisions together. We handle behavior management the same way. We teach, we try to do things consistently um, so that our families have that and our kids have that consistency between us three teachers. So you have to be on the same page as the other two teachers. It's not like when you teach, you know, ELA and then math and the math teacher can do things totally different. The ELA teachers can do things totally different, but you're still, you know, a team of two teachers, right? Mm -hmm. This is very different in the sense that we really have to be all on the same page, right? We all have the same folders. We all have the same, you know, we schedule things the same. We try to keep the consistency all around. And so when I was sitting here and I'm like, well, I want to do all these things, I felt like I was being also held back. Do you know what I mean? By my other two teachers. I was like, well, they're not wanting to do this. And now I feel like I'm inadequate, that I'm not doing enough. And I feel like they're holding me back. And so over Christmas, I remember um, just unplugging my phone. I was so frustrated with my team. I unplugged my phone and I said, I'm not going to talk to anyone during that time. And I didn't. I went to my mother, to my mom's house in Alabama at the time. And I enjoyed Christmas with my family and I unplugged and I did not respond to anyone. And then I found myself crying a lot over the break. Um, I found myself wondering, you know, if what I was doing was the right choice for me, thinking, you know, was Mac team the right decision? Should I have done that? Like, I love the idea of the Mac team. I loved everything about it. But I, at that moment, was wondering, did I make the right choice for me? 
So I was considering at that time leaving schools at the end of the year. I was considering moving grade levels. I was considering moving off the team and just going to another team in the school. There were so many different things that were going in my head. And what ended up making matters worse was that when I came back in January, we were there for probably about six days and Blaine's birthday was coming up. And I remember my partner teacher telling me that she wasn't feeling well. She was supposed to go on a Disney trip for like three days. And she ended up getting diagnosed with cancer and would later pass away in August of that year. And so everything took like a whole different turn because it went from the feelings of I'm inadequate to, wow, I am the crappiest, just crummiest person on the face of this planet because I did not know that this was happening. Do you know what I mean? And I ignored her and I did this and I did that. And I was the worst person ever for feeling the way that I was feeling. And now all of a sudden she's sick and she's not coming back. Do you know what I mean? And so all of that was happening. And then God bless it. Like we had um, a long-term sub put in and I just could not see eye to eye with that long-term sub. She was very old fashioned. I am not old fashioned. <laughs> she just, we were not seeing eye to eye and we all know how hot-headed Latina Bridget is. Like <laughs> I come out and I am feisty sometimes. So the vision, everything that was happening, I was like, well, I can't do this by myself. We have a brand new teacher who doesn't really understand the vision of what the MAC team is. I have the person, the only other person that I had started this MAC team with is now sick and doesn't look like she's coming back. And I can't do this by myself. I can't keep this MAC team afloat. How am I supposed to do that? And so then all of those feelings were coming into place. It was, it just ended up being a very challenging emotional roller coaster of a school year, which I feel like the school year is like that too, but that's a whole other topic of discussion. <laughs> and am I remembering this correctly, Bridget? Wasn't it that March of that school year where we met yes. in Miami? Yes. Well, I guess we would have met a little bit earlier because th that March is when we went to that conference together, yes. but we had already previously met in Miami. When was that? Was it? It the was in the before? summer. It was the summer okay. before. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, we were already friends, but it was kind of like we we had a friendship until the spring. And I remember in the spring is like when we really like hardcore, yeah, became like friends and started like envisioning things together. And yeah. I don't know. I think we're gonna come back to again like that whole how do you prevent this from happening? But I feel like friendship is like a, a good. Part it of it is a really good part of it. It really is, and you don't realize how much having some of those relationships, not even with just people inside of your school, but outside of your school, things that kind of get you away from it all. I think is also mm -hmm. really important to kind of help give you an outsider's perspective, because I yeah. think when you're in the middle of it, you've got the emotions tied to it. You've got so many other factors that are making a play into how you're going to respond to a situation. It just yep. makes things challenging. Do you know what yep. I mean? And so that's that seventh year. It really, I was questioning everything, anything. <laughs> I did yeah. not know if I was going to keep doing what I was doing. Well, and it's interesting. That's part of the reason we decided to do this episode. Bridget and I had previously 
you know, discuss like, well, when did you feel it? And for both of us, it was like our seventh year. And we found that very kind of ironic. And it was like, well, is it just a matter of time that goes by and you automatically feel burnout? I don't think that's the case. I think, and we're going to get into this in future episodes, but I think it really just depends on everyone's experiences. Uh, But it's just ironic that both of us kind of experienced that at the same time. It is. It really is. So now I'm just curious about your journey and kind of sharing in a little bit about, because yours is very different than mine, I think. Mine is very different. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, I'm going to kind of start at the end and then I'm going to work backwards and it will make sense. I would say I promise. Okay, I can't we're, we're going to do some backwards planning. That's great yep, teaching some strategies there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I just mentioned that my seventh year was when, I would say that was when my burnout was the strongest. And those of you who have followed me may realize that was this past school year mm-hmm. was my seventh year of teaching. And also, as many of you know, I am not in the classroom this year. And... There were a lot of decisions or a lot of reasons that went into that decision. It wasn't strictly like burnout that caused it, but it definitely played a factor. Obviously, us moving and the hecticness of all that was the biggest factor, but I just wanted to tell you and Bridget, I didn't tell you this yet. I just had a dream last night that basically my district was like begging me to come back because they needed teachers. And so I decided to go back, even though Billy's like, no, like you said, this was going to be it. You were going to take a year off. And so I go back into the classroom and it was a hot mess. Like we started school and then a week later I had to completely switch classes with another teacher. And like, it was just horrible. And in my dream, I was like, why did I do this? Why did I go back? Like I said, I was going to take a year off. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I should have taken a year off because this year is, it's. Y'all, I've called Michelle very upset many times already. It's like Mm -hmm. the third or fourth week of school. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and again, I know we're going to get into it more over the next few days, but like ultimately teaching is a really hard job. Yeah. So let's kind of go back. For me, when I think of my experience with burnout, it's really been something that every year has been building and building and building. And I am the type of person where I can tolerate a lot until I can't. Like mm-hmm. I will let it keep building, keep building, keep building until I get to the point where I finally am just like, I can't do this anymore. So flashback to my first year of teaching, I think Bridget kind of mentioned this. It's like you have that excitement, right? I was getting to do the job that I had wanted to do my entire life. Like I was stoked. I was trying to say so excited and stoked at the same time. Yeah. So I was stoked excited. Okay. Going into my first year, it was rough. (laughs) I had a very, very challenging class. I was not fully prepared from college. You know what I mean? Like I was not prepared for the realities of here's what it's actually like, but I was excited. I was motivated. I wanted to get better. And so I constantly found that, that drive to want to improve. During my first year of teaching is when I started my teacher Instagram because I was so passionate about teaching. I needed a place to like let that out and my friends and family could only tolerate so much. So I started my teacher Instagram and shortly after that, I started selling on TPT because I had spent so much money on my classroom. I was like, I, even if I can just get enough to like pay for my coffee on the way to work, like I just need something. So I started selling on teachers pay teachers, which means 
I have been working essentially two full-time jobs, sometimes even three full-time jobs with all the stuff we have going on Mm -hmm. my entire teaching career. I have never had a single year of teaching where that's all I did. And I think that plays a a fairly big role into it. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more as we go, but second year of teaching was actually really good for me. I had a phenomenal class. I felt like I finally had enough experience under my belt where I could handle like most situations or figure it out. Second year was great. And it kind of rejuvenated that passion. My first year, I was like, "Uh, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I can handle this. But after my second year, I was like, oh yeah, like this is my jam. I got this. Third year of teaching. I'm still in second grade. I don't think I mentioned that, but second grade, really, really challenging group of students even more so than my first year. And that's also when I started my YouTube channel. So I had the added pressure of that and and trying to get out videos and everything else. And my third year of teaching, like I cried a lot. I remember kind of wanting to leave the profession even at that point. And I distinctly remember there was a paraprofessional that worked in my room and she would work with my students in math. And she had watched a video where I'd mentioned like, yeah, I don't even know if I want to do this. And she literally came to me the next day and she's like, you are too good to quit. Like you have to keep teaching. Like you are made for this. And I need to like reach out to her and tell her how much that like impacted me because it truly made me realize like, no, it's okay. It's just a hard year. Like things will get better. I'm going to keep going. So we move across the state of Maryland and I get a job teaching fourth grade, which terrifies me because I did not want to teach fourth grade, (laughs) but I was optimistic. I was hopeful. I was like, you know what? I'm in a new school, new district, new grade level. Like it's going to be great. And I got into it. And overall, I had a really good year. I got along well with my coworkers and I had a good group of students. I, it took a little bit to get kind of the grasp on like fourth grade, but overall it was good and I was excited again. Then my, let's see, this would have been my fifth year of teaching and it was my second year in fourth grade, challenging group of students <laughs> again. And as an entire team, all the fourth grade teachers, we were just at our wits end. We felt like we were constantly trying stuff, nothing was working. And so that was a very tough year. Then going into my sixth year of teaching, which was my third year in fourth grade, the year started off great, but I was now teaching reading, which I had not done before. And ironically, in my dream last night, I was having to teach reading again, (laughs) but that was hard because I was having to relearn like all of the curriculum and it was, it was a lot. And then in the spring of that year is when the pandemic hit. So then it was trying to navigate like everything going online. Then going into my seventh year of teaching, I was virtual until March. And then from March until the end of the year, we had a hybrid model with students. And as you all know, we've done plenty of episodes on it. Like that was extremely, extremely difficult. So as you can see, it was kind of a roller coaster. It was like a good year, bad year, good year, bad year. And it was constantly going up and down. And I think that in itself is exhausting, right? Like it's mentally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. And I was listening to a podcast the other day, Bridget. I love to listen to random podcasts when I'm like working around the house or walking, whatever. And they were talking about something called an expectation hangover. And I was like, interesting. Essentially, when you have expectations for something and then it doesn't live up to those expectations, you're literally left with like hangover type symptoms. And I think that is so much of what teaching is. You have expectations for what you think it's going to be like, and then you're constantly hit with the reality 
and you realize that in so many ways, it's not what you thought it would be. There are aspects that are even better than you thought it would be. A lot of those involve the students, but there are so many aspects that just aren't. And that becomes difficult to work with over time. So for me, in terms of like what led to my burnout, I think teaching was very different than what I expected it to be in college. And I constantly had so much on my plate as a perfectionist, as an overachiever that it became draining. And like Bridget mentioned, this whole feeling of like inadequacy, I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was being pulled in all these different directions. And if I was giving my all in the classroom, then people were like, oh, well, why didn't you have a video go up? Or why aren't you posting on Instagram? Or why aren't you doing this? So then if I kind of shifted my focus, then I felt like I wasn't giving my students enough. And I know most people would say, okay, you know, as Bridget mentioned, like, well, then just quit social media. But that was rejuvenating my passion and getting to help other teachers. That's part of what kept me going all of those years because I said, you know what, even in the classroom, when I feel like I'm not making a difference and I'm having those hard days, I I get comments from people who are saying that I've like completely changed their their life as a teacher. And I'm like, that's why I do it. Like that feeling was rejuvenating me. And so I think I needed that to make it even to seven years. I don't know if I would have made it otherwise. So it is this like weird thing where it's like, well, it was helpful, but it also was harmful. And yes, you know, there's a lot to it. It's all very complex. Yeah, no, it it really is. And I want to go back to where I think at one point you mentioned that it was like the creative way because you had so many ideas that you wanted to be Mm -hmm. able to throw them out Mm -hmm. there and a lot of the times a lot of the teachers who go on Instagram YouTube or whatever it is they see it as a creative outlet and the reason that they start doing this is because and this just goes for me as well is because I had so many ideas I was such an out-of-the-box thinker from the very very beginning I needed a way to be able to channel that and push that out somewhere else and a lot of the times when I felt like I was talking with different teachers in my building, they didn't quite understand me because I felt like I was so out of the box. And I'm like, but why don't we do this? And why don't we try this? And why do we go here? And that was causing, you know, different conflicts with different teachers because they weren't thinking the same way. And so being able to channel that creativity into YouTube or Instagram was very helpful for me personally, which is Mm -hmm. why I continue to do it. Yeah, it becomes like an outlet. And, you know, again, when I would have a rough day in the classroom, it's like I could come home and it it felt like almost like a fresh start. And I think social media, and we've done episodes on this, we've talked about it. it. Again, there are good things and there are bad things, but I do think it's a way for people to kind of get that creative, um, inspiration and motivation and get those juices flowing, which creativity is a huge part of, of teaching, or at least I think it should be. I have been in situations where, my creativity was kind of stifled and I didn't get to be creative and that killed a lot of the joy too. I mean, that's another issue, but I feel like social media, it's almost like uh, when you're trying to get motivation to work out, so you go and buy yourself new workout clothes yeah. and you're like, yes, like, I'm me. so excited. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. <me>. I feel <laughs> like that is what social media can kind of do for teaching because you can go on and you can get this great lesson idea and you're like, I'm going to try that tomorrow. And I think it does help a lot of teachers but there is kind of that negative side of it. It's that comparison and everything else. And I don't know, I'd be interested to see studies of 
teacher burnout now in comparison to before social yes. media existed. Yes. I'd be very, very interested Absolutely. in that. Absolutely. I would be very curious about that as well. I want Because go- I think... Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think social media helps to contribute to those high expectations of what it will be like, which then leads to that like expectation hangover, right? Like you're yes. more disappointed when it doesn't reach that level that you thought it would. Yeah. And I think I, I wanted to touch to touch on that expectation hangover just a little bit more because I think it can translate into so many different areas of your life. I think about oh, yeah. marriage and relationships, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, reading all of these like romantic, you know, not like books, not like those romantic books, guys, get your minds out of the gutter. <laughs> but I'm thinking like, you know, the Twilight series, something to that extent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you have this like vision of what you feel like romance and being married should be. And when it happens, it's like, like, but wait, why isn't it like the way I think it should be? Mm-hmm. It's like we have these very high expectations. It's like we need to set the bar low for a lot of things mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we have the opportunity to exceed it and to yeah. feel happy and excited. But that is in so many different areas, right? Like when you get a new job, you have this expectation of living mm-hmm. on your own and being able to do what you want. And you're like, but wait, I ain't got no money to do anything. <laughs> Do you know, yeah. it's just, it, yeah. it translates into so many different areas that we are setting this very unrealistic image of what life is. And I think that mm-hmm. goes back to social media. And when we start to experience it for ourselves, we're not happy with it. And then mm-hmm. that leads to depression, anxiety, all of the different things that starts to really affect you. This is why I love to tell my kids, we need to be happy with the mundane. We have Mm -hmm. to learn to live and just be okay with the boring. Because if you can be okay with boring and you can like end the day feeling like, oh, that was a good day, even though you did absolutely nothing, you're going to be okay. You have Mm -hmm. to appreciate the boring around you. Yeah, it's really interesting because you brought up like, you know, this plays into marriage and this plays into friendships. And I, I truly think that it is a it's an issue within all of our lives, like all aspects. And so I don't know, I we're going to kind of break down over the next few episodes, like teacher burnout and why that is so prevalent, because if this exists in any profession mm-hmm. and in all these aspects of our lives, why are we seeing it really come out in the teaching profession? I guess you could argue within marriage, you know, if that whole like expectations and then it not meeting it, I'm sure that plays into like the divorce rate right. and why that's so high. So maybe there are similarities and we just don't see them because yeah. we're so wrapped up in like the teacher realm. So basically but- what you're seeing is we're going to crack the code to all of it. And then we are going to solve all the problems. Uh, Bridget, let's lower our expectations. Okay, oh, we're setting the bar to, low, guys. <laughs> we're going to try, but I don't think there is one answer. I don't think there ever will be, but I do think it's something that needs to be talked about more often so that teachers aren't left feeling like, well, this is just me, so there must be something wrong with me. I'm not good enough because it is so much more prevalent than people make it seem. So... As you've probably gotten from this episode or hopefully gotten from this episode, teacher burnout is really more of like a sliding scale mm-hmm. where you're kind of at the low end or the high end and you're constantly sliding in one direction or the other. So we're going to break down that in the next episode. So 
Thank you guys so much for listening in on this episode. Be sure to check out our website. Our website. Sorry, I don't know why that came out weird. Uh, <laughs> that was and, I know. And submit your DSH. We want to know what is your time sucking hurdle right now. And then you'd have a chance to be featured right here on the podcast. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can get notified every time we drop our next episode, which is on Thursday mornings. And be sure to leave us a review over on iTunes. We love hearing your comments, uh, what you guys think of the podcast, and it really just helps us get into the ears of so many teachers out there. So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.